1: ladies and gentlemen, my name is Sylvie, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to Artist Read's third quarter 2020 conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star followed by one on your telephone keypad. And if you would like to withdraw your question, please press star, then the number two. Today's discussion may include forward-looking statements, which includes statements that are not statements of historical fact and statements regarding artistry's future financial performance and its execution of initiatives to deliver unit holder value. Such statements are based (coughs) on management's assumptions and beliefs. These forward-looking statements are subject to uncertainties and other factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from such statements. Please see Artist REIT's public filings for a discussion of these risk factors which are included in the annual and quarterly filings, which can be found on Artist REIT's website and on CDAR. Thank you. And I would like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Armin Martins. Please go ahead, sir.
2: Okay, thank you, moderator, and good day, everyone. Welcome to our true 3 2020 conference call. So, again, my name is Armand Martins. I'm the CEO of Artis And With me on this call is Jim Green, our CFO, Kim Riley, our EVP of Investments, uh, Phil Martins, EVP of U.S. Operations, and Jackie Curry, SDP of Accounting. So, again, thanks for joining us. Now, as in the past, I'll ask Jim Green to review our financial highlights, and then I'll wrap up with some market commentary, and then we'll open the lines for
3: questions. So, so go ahead please Jim. Thanks Armin and good afternoon everyone. So these strange times continue. The, the second wave of COVID is hitting all countries with more restrictions and government mandated shutdowns. Uh, despite that, however, Artis continues to see good results from our operations and in our opinion we have completed an excellent quarter despite the presence of COVID. Our rent collections have been strong and thus far our tenants are weathering the storm quite well. Artists did not participate in the Secra program proposed by the federal government, However, we have been working with our tenants as needed to provide rent deferrals. And in some cases we have provided rent abatements in exchange for an early renewal or longer term on the lease. Federal government has recently announced new rent relief program for tenants with the aid coming directly to the tenant and not involving a rent reduction by the landlord. We feel this is a major improvement in the program and we will work with our tenants as necessary to help them access this program. At the end of September, our rents receivable were down to approximately $8 million from $12 million at the end of June. We have a further $5.5 million that we've agreed to defer under deferral agreements with our tenants and while we feel the majority will ultimately be collected, we did book a reserve of approximately $2.1 million against these balances, which we feel is adequate to cover any potential rent defaults. Our accounts receivable collection rates during Q3 were over 97% and have been over 98% for the month of October. Our leasing activity continues to be strong, with over 600,000 square feet of new leases commencing in the quarter at a weighted average increase of over 6%. Uh, Interesting fact, the, the number is almost the same, roughly 600,000 square feet of leases physically negotiated during the quarter uh, and the average increase of that was 5.4%, which we feel is very good given the impact of COVID on the commercial rent market. Do recall going back to 2018 that the REIT announced a planned series of new initiatives to surface value for the REIT. In our opinion, we've now virtually completed that series of planned initiatives, and we've set ourselves a new series of initiatives, including a further $550 million of asset sales, with the proceeds targeted mainly for debt reduction. This program is already well underway. In addition, we've announced a plan to spin off our Canadian retail properties into a separate entity, We believe this plan, which is aimed at reducing the diversified nature of Artis' portfolio, is still a potentially effective strategy. However, as announced in our press release, given the recent proxy fight initiated by one of our unit holders, the board has determined to delay the unit holder meeting related to the spin-off until a later date. Based on our Q3 NOIs, the rate is 50.5% weighted in Canada and 49% in the US, so almost half and half. As we continue to move forward, however, we expect the majority of future asset sales will likely be in Canada, and we expect this ratio to swing such that greater than 50% of our income will come from assets in the United States. On an asset class basis, we're 45.6% weighted in office, 19.2% weighted in retail, and 35.2% in industrial. Specifically on retail, you may recall retail was only 17.2% of Q2. However, part of that swing was due to a fairly large bad debt provision recorded in Q2 on the retail tenant rents receivable. You will have noted, or may have noted, that we've added some new disclosure on our MDNA, breaking out a lot of our metrics by asset class. Hopefully, this disclosure is helpful to both the marketplace and to our analysts as investors continue to review our results and valuations. During Q3, we've completed two projects we had under development, both of which are 100% leased. And As of September 30th, we really only had one project left actively under development, which is our 40-story residential project in Winnipeg. As detailed in our MD&A, we also have several development projects in the planning stages where construction has not actively started, however they're proceeding well and we would expect at least one or two of those to start during Q4 or Q1 of 2021. Our balance sheet reflects a slight improvement in our debt to GBV with the ratio now at 51.9% this quarter compared to 52.5% last quarter and 52.3% at year end. We did collect a fairly substantial mortgage receivable right at the end of the quarter, um, so that did not get applied to the debt, but did on October 1st. So, we expect further improvement in Q4 when you factor in that mortgage receivable collection plus some asset sales that are currently under unconditional contract. Artist does have a fairly significant portion of our debt maturing within the next 12 months including roughly 503 million of mortgage debt, in addition to an unsecured debenture of 250 million. Some of that debt we've been deliberately keeping short term as it relates to assets that we plan to sell. And we'll probably continue to do that with some of it. We don't anticipate any difficulty in refinancing the rest of it on longer term assets. Uh, Roughly 32 million of that gets repaid anyway, just from typical principal repayments during the next year. Uh, and funds are available on our line of credit, if needed for any refinancing. Our NOI line this quarter was 71.0 million compared to 70.2 last quarter. So increase again, Uh, with the increase in NOI combined with lower interest rates and lower debt costs, our FFO for the quarter is up to 50.8 million from 49.4 million last quarter. On a per unit basis, FFO came in at 37 cents this quarter, compared to in the last quarter, and 34 cents in the comparative last year. Again, as we did in Q2, we've added disclosure, breaking out our FFO from each asset class, using that percentage of NOI as the method of allocation. So, on that math, it's 17 cents from our office portfolio, 13 cents from our industrial portfolio and seven cents from the retail portfolio. AFFO for the quarter was 27 cents, 25 cents in Q3 of 19. Our payout ratios are a very conservative, 37.8% of FFO and 51.9% of AFFO. On the same property basis, the results unfortunately were a negative this quarter, 1.2% and one of the largest factors in the drop is actually the parking revenue in the Western Canadian office sector. Tenants have canceled parking while they work from home during COVID. The industrial segment continues to show the strongest performance in both countries with 2.3% growth in Canada and 0.7% growth in the US. On a fair value basis, we, as required under IFRS value, all our properties at fair value and valuation's a little challenging in the current market due to COVID. However, we did have additional external appraisals done during the quarter, and there's certainly no hard evidence to indicate that cap rates or discount rates or market rents have moved substantially. You may recall we recorded a fairly substantial reduction in value at the end of Q1, and for both Q2 and now Q3, we did not feel any significant adjustments were warranted and the net fair value adjustment was very nominal this quarter. So given that fair value of properties, we can now calculate the net asset value per trust unit. And our calculation is just using the equity on our balance sheet less the equity held by our preferred unit holders and divided by the number of common units outstanding at the end of the quarter. And on that basis, the net asset value or now per unit was 15.35 this quarter compared to 1540 last quarter asset declines I'm going to say mainly due to FX which on a standalone basis would have decreased nav by 23 cents and offsetting this is a gain of approximately 18 cents from our income for the quarter being in excess of our distributions there we go Artists ended the quarter with approximately $48 million of cash on hand and $423 million undrawn on our line of credit. Based on what we know today, we feel we have more than adequate liquidity to get us through the remainder of the COVID crisis. Look forward to more normal times. And last but certainly not least, I'm pleased to highlight that we've announced a distribution increase of 3% commencing with the distribution that will be paid in January, 2021. That completes the financial review for now. I'm happy to answer any questions later, but I'll pass it back to Armin for some more discussion first. Keep safe, everyone.
2: Okay, thanks, Jim. And so folks, as we all know, this has been a volatile unprecedented year, but as it applies to artists, the worst really is behind us. Uh, Artists is clearly performing very well this year. We continue to make good progress on all key strategic fronts and are delivering strong performance metrics for our unit holders. So our rental increases, our FFO and EFFO per unit are all solid numbers. Our rent collections are good and continue to improve. Uh, Watch for more monthly updates from us on that front as well. So we're in great shape, and of course we just printed an excellent quarter. We have every reason to believe we'll deliver a great Q4 as well and and end the year strong and look uh, forward to next year with optimism. Looking ahead, given our very conservative payout ratio and the progress we've made on our strategic initiatives, debt reduction will continue to be a top priority for us. As mentioned, we're confident of our ability to reduce our debt to GBV to the 45% range by the end of the second half of next year. And we're satisfied, of course, that as we improve our debt metrics, our price multiple will improve as well. And you we fondly remember, you know, it was only in the first quarter of this year, the same year, we were trading over $13.00. And uh, we think that that kind of a price is is achievable in short order as well as we continue to improve our metrics and demonstrate progress on all of our strategic fronts. Now, as Jim mentioned, falling floating interest rates are a natural boost to our earnings, which we think is structural and will remain with us long term. Lower for longer is clearly the new mantra or normal for interest rates. It is our view that liquidity and availability of credit will continue to improve as we get to the other side of this pandemic. And all of this, of course, will be good for real estate and REIT valuations. Our property disposition program progressed very well during Q3, in the third quarter. Looking ahead for this year, we anticipate selling. By selling, I mean closed or unconditional, about 300 million dollars by year end, with another 250 to 300 million by summer next year. So 550 to 600 million by by the summer of next year. With most of it done this year, and again, our price is consistent with our IFRS now for $15.35, and again, used for debt reduction and improvement of our liquidity. <coughs>
3: Excuse
2: me. It's important to note, of course, that as our financial metrics improve, so is our portfolio of properties. We're continuing to improve our office and retail weighting, I'm sorry, we're continuing to reduce our office and retail weighting, and increasing our ownership of industrial properties. We're streamlining and high grading our portfolio as well as reducing the number of secondary markets we're in. And in a sense, this is a private equity model that we're implementing to maximize unit holder value. Now, the office and retail markets are, have been challenging this year, but on balance, our overall portfolio is performing well. Interesting to note of all the office markets artists is in Toronto, Winnipeg, Calgary, Vancouver, Madison, Minneapolis, Denver, Phoenix. It's Madison and Minneapolis that have, that have printed positive absorption numbers in terms of the markets themselves. But a new paradigm is upon us in terms of office and retail and even industrial. And I mentioned this at our AGM. <coughs> Excuse me again. Well, what a difference a 100-year pandemic makes in terms of office. Well, we will see more work from home, uh, but maybe not so much, but we'll see more. Create, because creativity matters, productivity matters, and teamwork matters. We believe that there will always be needs for office space, of course. However, we do expect that Office tenants, The office tenant market will settle down to about one to two work from home days per week. We expect office tenants to need more space per employee and therefore we expect the demand for suburban office space to increase versus CBD. And in our case, as you are aware, about 75% of artists property, office properties are suburban, 25% uh, CBD. In terms of retail, of this, the paradigm shift is at retail in an accelerated manner this year online shopping is potentially peaked during this lockdown uh, but as we move to the other side of the pandemic equilibrium between online and in-person shopping should be achieved and in a way it's good to get that that over with so to speak we do point out that not all retail is bad retail you know open air service sector strip malls needs based retail retail will always be in demand uh, shopping in principle has to be done in person and in a way, this kind of retail is, is akin to showcase industrial, and that's the kind of retail that artists primarily has, and showcase industrial, as you know, is a, is a very good asset class. So not all retail is bad retail. It's a, there's still good opportunities in retail. In terms of industrial, well, industrial come out again as a winner during this pandemic, generally speaking, we will see demand for industrial space increase. And in our case, you know, artists has about, we own about $2 billion of industrial properties, about a billion on each side of the border. It's all performing well, there has a very good track record and continues to deliver solid organic growth and our industrial development pipeline is also on track to deliver excellent results. Now, as I mentioned before, stay tuned for more good news on this front as we move to expand our industrial development pipeline with institutional joint venture partners. We do not have an announcement to make on that front yet, yet, but we have signed a comprehensive letter of intent with a global institutional uh, uh, partner that focuses only on real estate. To develop an 80 million dollars, that's Canadian dollars, uh, industrial development in in Phoenix. Uh, so we're just trading paper on the JVA, and as we get them, that is completed, which is the target before the end of this year, we'll we'll give you more color on that. But it's a good validation, and this is a fund that manages over a billion dollars of real estate worldwide. And it's a good validation of our management team and our, our industrial development platform and our expertise. So we're looking forward to that not JV, and, and many more in the, in the year ahead. So again, some key takeaways you know, for this quarter and beyond. You know, Artists will deliver very good results this year. We are poised to be one of just a few weeks that will actually increase its FFO per unit in 2020, and next year will be better than this year. We feel that our distribution hike of 3% is both modest and prudent, and it sets the stage for multiple annual distribution hikes in the years ahead. Also, in terms of return of capital, you know, watch for artists to keep its NCIB active in a prudent manner during the months and years ahead as well. And this is not just about a select accretive use of capital. It's very accretive, of course, at, at these prices, but about tax planning for our unit holders as well. Uh, we do always have to keep all aspects of, of the capital markets in are uh, of, of finance in, in, in perspective, uh, but income tax planning, uh, there's recapture of depreciation and there's capital gains. All these things have to be taken into account when we execute on a sales program. We can't just push a button and say sell. Uh, we've got to do it in a methodical and well-planned manner, and that's what we are doing. When we look at our five-year model, and we feel our model is very conservative, and and, and, uh, and and the distribution hikes that we we're talking about and the ncrb the that we're that uh, we're discussing uh, are very reasonable and very prudent and and uh, very much affordable. As a matter of fact, uh, possibly we can do even more. So, uh, again, Artis is not your typical diversified read anymore. This is important and this is because of uh, a lot of hard work on the part of the board and management. Uh, it didn't happen overnight, but during the past three years, we've made very good progress in streamlining and improving our portfolio by asset class and geography. And we'll continue to do so as we sell non-core retail and office properties between now and next summer and, and the quarters ahead. You know, as Jim mentioned, you know, we did, about a, we did a lot of leasing this last quarter, I mean, and that's a typical quarter for us. We're working very hard. We did over 700,000 square feet of leasing, 30, 105 leases, 35 were new leases, which are always challenging, and then 70 of oh, them were lease renewals. Um, and so we've got a diversified portfolio. We make the point that being diversified is not easy to do. Uh, not everybody has that experience to manage a diversified portfolio, three different asset classes of real estate, and at, the, at the portfolio level, and then even at the capital markets level, at the board level. It's not that easy to do. Uh, if you look at the charts, we feel we've got a great track record of doing that, and we're the right team, management team, to do it. You can't just push a button and say, we'll change the management team, or you can't just push a button and say, we'll change the board. Because there aren't, isn't that much expertise out there that can manage a diversified portfolio you know, the, way, the way we're managing, it. so we're in good, so we feel we're in good shape. Uh, that, that, that's our, that does complete my part of this report. And uh, you know, we we trust that you'll find, as Jim mentioned, our a new M D N A format even more informative and useful in analyzing and valuing our Week. Looking ahead, as we mentioned, always we saying we'll continue to work hard and keep our buildings full whilst bringing the rents up to market and consistently. Streamlining and improving our portfolio. And to be clear, the integrity of our balance sheet, our earnings growth, earnings growth and implementing our strategic initi- initiatives and staying on the path of continuous improvement. And that's an important path. As I said, it doesn't happen overnight. And the results, what we, the results we've delivered this year is an example of that, that objective to stay on that path of continuous improvement. All that is of utmost importance to us. So I'll turn the mic over to the moderator now to answer questions, ask for questions. But before I do, I just want to make the point. I think we all know that artists are in the early stages of an activist campaign, if that's what I can call it. But we want to focus. We'd like the questions in this call to focus on artists, on the, the, the on the good week that we are, the great quarter, and the results and the operational and, and and anything to do with artists. Not on the activist campaign. There's a lot of days ahead of us. Many days ahead of us for do, to, to do that. So if you hear me you say the word activism or activist or sandpiper, it uh, that, that doesn't mean that I want to talk about it. <laughs> so with that, with that, I'll now let the moderator take over and field questions.
1: Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question at this time, please press star followed by one on your touchstone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And should you decide to withdraw your question, you will need to press star followed by two. And if you're using a speakerphone, you will need to lift a handset before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star one now if you have a question. And your first question uh-huh. will be from Lian Chen at IA Securities, please go ahead.
4: Thank you and uh, good afternoon. Um, I was just wondering if you give us a little bit more color specifically regarding your, just your general outlook in terms of the Canadian office segment. Um, naturally, it depends on how long the implications of COVID are going to last, especially now that we're in the middle of a second wave and perhaps you know, even getting some subsequent waves. So given this extended period of uncertainty, I know you briefly mentioned your overall thoughts, but I was just wondering if you've gotten some updates as to how employers are going to reimagine their um, office space going forward.
2: Yes, that's a good question. We all of us are, are hopeful that, uh, and we believe, and we're seeing it a little bit, that 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 more space is required per, per employee, uh, and 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 tenants have got to, have got to deliver at least more space. This is one of the reasons that there could be a push for more demand for for suburban office versus downtown, and, and because the rental rates at the end of the day they do matter, and depending on which city you're in. 90 day commute each way plus 30 day, 30 minute commute minimum to get to your office space is an overrated ex- experience. Uh, it, we're so it, it, there. We are still uncertain times with the office market. There will be a paradigm shift for sure upon us. There will be more work from home. Uh, we don't know yet. I think long term, everybody wants to be downtown uh, and, and be in an office space with with and, we can, and work collaboratively with with their teammates and with their co employees. But for now, I think, and we're seeing negative absorption, as you know, in Toronto, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Vancouver, even. Uh, and that we should, and there's a lot of subleasing taking place, especially in Toronto. And we should expect that to continue. And we, I thought by this time we'd be out of this pandemic thing, but we're not. And and, and I think that we should expect next year to be a slow year as well, and we should not expect positive absorption anywhere, and potentially even, even more subleasing before things get back to normal, but um, by no means my one I would say you know the uh, urban living is dead or the downtown is dead. there'll always be a demand for office space there just there just always will be but um, more more space per employee will be needed. I believe suburban office will, will will become more popular. it could become the next big thing you know availability of space at a cheaper rate, availability of parking ability to be closer. Uh, you know, to the soccer fields and the schools where, where, where the kids are, and even to your support, the in-laws and your, your support system—all uh, that will matter. So it's not—it's it's not very scientific all that, everything that I've said, but uh, but that's 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 our assessment right now. It's, it's, it's early days still. I'm I'm a hundred hundred percent believer that office space will always be with us. Demand will always be with us, uh, but there will be a shift in the nature of the demand.
4: Thank you. Um, and similarly, um, can you give us some uh, more details about the uh, marketing conditions in, in Minnesota? And if you could talk about your views there uh, going forward.
2: Yeah. So just, I mean, there's been slight absorption. you know, in the first half this year in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, St. Paul market, as well as well as as, as Madison. And now, in fairness, I believe most of that was suburban. There was a little bit of decline down downtown. In those markets, but they've outperformed most markets in in North America. In that sense, because it's been a disruptive year, where tenants have put their pens down and said, "We're not, you know, we're not leasing new space. We're, we're hanging in there. We'll, we'll do short-term renewals," um, and and when we get to the other side of this pandemic, we'll start making making decisions again. And so, so that's that's the top of year of a year we're in. In our case, you know, our, our office properties are performing okay. They're still not not good enough. It's it's that I mean, we've our, our greatest our, in terms of dropping, in same drop and wide was retail first, then office, and then industrial was was positive. Uh, but um, we see ourselves coming out of this and, and being and we see our portfolio being in pretty good shape, all things considered, vis a vis the market conditions.
4: Very perfect. Um, And just lastly, very quickly, so just regarding the uh, retail spinoff, other than the party that was mentioned in the uh, press release, I was just wondering what kind of feedback you've received from other stakeholders um, so far on this initiative since the announcement in September um, and what's the current action plan and timeline here?
2: So I think the press release is clear on on the action plan there. Um, When we... First reviewed I mean, this, this retail spinoff. And, you know, it was about 120-day process. We had two financial advisors working with us and recommending it. Unanimous uh, board support, and and you know, we, we during the month of September, we got nothing but positive feedback. You know, you, you know, some investors said, you know, you're doing fine. Don't bother with the spinoff. And nobody criticized it. Um, but then, you know, an activist has come out to, to disagree. Uh, 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 and uh, and uh, I'm not sure if it was opportuni- opportunistic or not, but we're doing this. Uh, we're not jamming this down anybody's throat, and we won't. We said at our AGM was well disclosed that we were uh, pro- contemplating and proposing this uh, spin off. But we always said it would be up to the unit holders. We take it to the unit holders for to, for a vote. We're doing it in a tax efficient manner, and that because of that, because we're not jamming it down anybody's throat, because it's tax efficient and totally democratic. Uh, there's a there's a re- it, it requires two thirds vote. Of, of approval from the preferreds and the common, not 50.1%. Jim's looking at me here, and, and because of that, uh, and because of that, you know, we, that, that's one of the factors uh, that we could consider and say, well, maybe we'll just, uh, we'll just put this at the aside right now. And when I say two thirds two thirds of the, of, the, of, the, uh, of the quorum, we'll just put this aside right now. We firmly believe in it, uh, and, and we'll deal with another day. Uh, and we'll just focus on the board requisition. If uh, it won't for now, the thing about the retail spinoff is uh, the empirical data speaks for it. It's a very good idea, and one thing I'm disappointed in is, is activists, uh, you know, coming out and not having a, a better idea, just saying no. Status quo, sell down. Okay, there's two questions when you say when somebody says you sell retail. There's two questions to ask. One is to whom, and the other is to what price. And, and, and then what about – then the third thing is what about the income tax consequences? You know, we, you've got to think of all aspects. Most of our investors are retail investors. They're taxable investors. If you're a non-taxable, you know, GP of an activist fund, maybe you don't care. You only get paid only on the top line. Uh, but, uh, but, this, but we look at all aspects, and we're very careful to do this the right way. We look at the way we're trading. look at our effortful breakout by asset class. You know, we're clearly not getting any value at all for retail. And we know, you know, you spend off a small – cap retail REIT, it, it's not necessarily going to trade well. It'll trade below the NAV. And some people say it'll trade like an orphan. Well, there's a lot of big, a lot of orphans out there. It's a big orphanage in terms of retail REITs trading below NAV. Right now, an office REITs trading below NAV. We think it's a brilliant idea still, a very good idea still, the retail spin-off. It's tax efficient, and you get something then. You get a retail unit in your hand, and if you're a taxable investor, you can sell the unit and get out. If you're non-taxable, you can stay in it and watch the retail REIT sell down its properties at, at a NAV, which is higher than the trading price, and, and give you back a good return of capital. There's, different, there's so much optionality there. And again, uh, as I said, the diversified rate is hard to run. A diversified value is an excellent value proposition. Every, all diversified rates in Canada are excellent value propositions, but, they, but if you want maximum value, if you want to get NAV, well, now you're in a, a value trap. Now, how do you get out of that? How do you get out of this value trap to get the full NAV of $15.35? Uh, now you've got to think outside the box. You can't just say, well, sell and pay taxes or this or that. You've got to think outside the box, and you've got to look at what is working. What is working is pure-play REITs. That is working. They're getting better price multiples than we are. And so that's why we went that direction. And I still think the retail spin-offs are, is a great idea. It moves us forward to, new, the, to just being an office industrial REIT, which we can then spin off again or, or we can privatize. Either way, it gets us to a better price multiple the office industrial without the retail and the retail we get whatever price we get it's more than we're we're getting now so thanks for mentioning that (laughs) question i I answered
1: it it took me longer than i thought it would (laughs) that
4: uh, that's great um thank you for your comments Uh, i'll leave it there i'll turn it back thanks
1: thank you as a reminder ladies and gentlemen if you do have any questions please press star followed by one on your touchdown phone and your next question will be from jonathan kelcher at td securities please go ahead
5: Thanks. Uh, good afternoon. Um, first question, just on the the asset dispositions. can um, me maybe a, especially the the two large ones, the, the Concord portfolio and, and Shoppers Delta. Could you maybe give a little bit of color on them um, in terms of who who looked at them, who the potential buyers were, and who who ultimately bought them?
2: Yeah, I'll let Kim weigh in here.
0: Yeah, for sure I mean, i can't say uh the names of the purchasers but i can say in terms of who's looking at all of our uh, dispositions right now it's kind of a mix of um larger fund managers private individuals and some family office so kind of a little bit of a mix um so concord specifically was looked at by multiple uh buyers we didn't have it listed but um, we think that we achieved a great value that one does have some uh, future density, uh, so there's an apartment uh, complex that could be developed there. We're in the kind of final stages of approval on that. I anticipate that will be approved uh, early next year. Um, same thing with Delta uh, Delta Shoppers, who so it has some density as well. Um, I do think that the purchaser plans to just continue to operate it as a, a retail center, uh, maybe kind of a, a land play, uh, and then future development potential stuff. So. Okay,
5: and, and Concord was that? That's a a stabilized five percent cap rate, the full building
0: that is more of a actual in place kind of going forward next twelve months
5: okay in um, in terms of now that you're you're deferring the the retail spin off um and you're still looking to sell a fairly larger number of assets next year will you will you sort of tailor that more towards retail asset sales now?
2: Is there any change in plan there? Uh, no, you're right. It'll be a combination of retail and, and, and more office. Um, um, you know, and a, a year ago, you know, before this pandemic came upon us, we really shifted the, you know, the, the paradigm. And while we're doing it, we thought, you know, we can sell down all our retail in a three-year period. Uh, we don't think that anymore because we don't want to give it away, right? Uh, but we can, we will we can continue to sell some retail. Um, and, and 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 improve our balance sheet and improve our improve our portfolio streamline our portfolio, and then we'll sell some more offers as well, and and we'll grow industrial.
5: Okay, um, and then just on the on the development, we're we're Park Eight Ninety and and Linden Ridge. Were they were they fully in NOI? Were they in NOI for the full quarter?
3: Park Eight Ninety was Linden Ridge is not.
5: And when
3: uh how much of the quarter was it in? One tenant at Linden Ridge has taken occupancy and off the top of my head, Jonathan. I'm sorry, I'm not sure what when the rent actually commenced, but I'm guessing it was maybe September at the earliest. Correct. Okay. okay.
5: Okay. Um and then the bad debt recovery you you got, that, that was included in Q three NY, correct? Correct. Okay, Um, that is it for me. I will turn it back, thanks.
1: Thank you. Next question will be from Matt Logan at RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
6: Thank you, and good morning. Hey, Matt. Uh, When we think about some of your asset sales, you had mentioned uh, there'd be tax consequences or potential tax consequences. If the REIT sold all of its assets today in a hypothetical, what would they be? Like, how much could we see in terms of value erosion uh, through tax leakage?
2: Well, I can give you my answer because, <laughs> because I'm not a CPA. <laughs> <laughs> and he was looking at me. He said, he's never going give me a warning. Look, don't say that it's not in the public domain. But, you know, in theory, Matt, if we sold all of our assets that are now at $15.35, uh, that, that would be the equivalent to selling, uh, to selling the REIT at $9 a unit, for example. It, it, it's just a killer. We, we, that's why when we conducted the strategic review, the idea was to do a unit-based transaction. That was the whole goal. If artists, if we were, and, and, and you know, if the pandemic had not come, we wouldn't be having this conference call today, possibly, that we were that close to a strategic uh, transaction for the whole REIT, and then it would have been a unit-based transaction, tax, tax efficient, uh, for the unit holders. Uh, so, so that's so, so yeah. It's not that simple. Just saying push a button and sell. But as I said, there is a risk of an activist not being aligned with the unit holders, especially when the activist is in the middle is, is is partway through, halfway through a, a five-year fund. The the, the more the, the time goes by in a five-year fund, the less a, 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 the GP and the activist fund is aligned with artist unit holders or even their own their own LP unit holders, and then. And as I said, the promote structure, the promote fees is based on top line, not based on bottom line. That's another another misalignment with artist union holders. Uh, and most of our investors, you know, that we know they're retail investors, they're taxable. Uh, you know, if you have your, your artist units in an RSP account, that's different. Uh, that's different. And then you can plan accordingly. And if you're a sovereign fund or pension fund, that's different. But uh, for most of our investors, and in our case, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taxable. <laughs> I'm watching that. I'm always looking at the, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the after-tax result of all of our transactions.
3: And, and to your point, Matt, it's really not value erosion from the tax. It would just impact, you know, if you sold all your assets, you would have, let's say, 1535 in cash to distribute to your unit holders. It would just affect the portion of that 1535 that's taxable when you get it back from the company, yeah. Yeah, if you
2: sell the units, Matt, it's just capital gains you're dealing with, not recapture. That's the difference, right? And recapture is a big thing the longer we own our properties.
6: Fair enough. Maybe just changing gears. Uh, during the quarter, you put out a press release, which outlined the outcome of the strategic review uh, with over 100 investors uh, that were reached out to. Have any of them uh, come back to the table uh, given what would have been very solid operating uh, results here over the last two quarters?
2: So, I mean, I mean the answer is yes. Some ongoing dialogue does, does, is, is, is taking place, there, and, and, and interest con- continues. Um, but there's, there's nothing much more we can say on, on that front. And
6: changing gears in terms of your planned retail spin-out, um, would it be fair to say that has been, you know, put on pause indefinitely? And and if so, what really are your top three strategic initiatives over the next 12 months? Is it simply debt repayment, or how do we think about the balance between, you know, deleveraging and the NCIB and uh, anything else you might have in your cards?
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll stay the course. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, but even the activists, when, when it wasn't that long ago, they were saying that, you know, Armand, you're doing a good job. Um, artists are doing all the right things. And then they forgot to say that in their press release. Uh, but uh, we, we'll, we'll stay the course. It's it's quite clear what we're doing, you know. And we're, so we're selling another $550 million of properties, that a good chunk of that will be done by Christmas. Paying down our debt to 45%. Uh, we know what our earnings profile looks like. We got some good offers. Decent kicking in in Q4 and in Q1 as well, and so we're in good shape. And the three percent distribution is a model. It's very much very prudent and very affordable at this point in time, and it's the right thing to do to reward our investors. Uh, because you know, because through what we what they've gone through, what we've all experienced in the in the past year, that the 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 NCIB is a great thing because of our unit price right now. It's very accretive, but also it's a way of us sheltering uh, capital gains when we dispose of properties. As we run out of Calgary office properties to sell, we'll be hit with capital gains, not just to capture on depreciation. And at least the NCIB is a way to shelter capital gains. We have, the, the, uh, the recapture to deal with the, uh, on, on the depreciation so, uh, so we're in a good place right now, we've got a good plan, we're moving forward and we're, we're not spinning off the retail right now but we are shrinking retail uh, and we're shrinking as a select office as well and, it's, and, it's all, and all of it makes us a, a, increases our rating in industrial and it'll improve our earnings and improve our balance sheet it's got to sooner or later improve our price multiple as well so we feel good about where we are without a doubt
6: and with the leasing that you've got uh, on the horizon, together with uh, improving rent collections, do you think we could see a return to positive same property NOI growth uh, in 2021?
2: It'll happen. It's coming. If, if for no other reason we hit such a bottom this year with our retail, right? It'll happen um, yeah, for sure. The, 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 the end is near, as the sign what says, right? Uh, so things, the things are looking up for us. And we'll get get back to that positive. We were so proud. Was it it seven, was it nine consecutive quarters? We had a positive, same property, and like we are proud of that. And now we've just hit two consecutive negative. But, you know, it's a 100-year pandemic. We'll we'll get through this, and and our numbers will improve, including the same property numbers for sure.
6: But suffice it to say, with with all the work that you're doing, at least the outlook is for generally stable uh, results in the near term.
2: Yes, stable. Uh, uh, stable I um, you see, I believe you'll see FFO per unit improving, but stable and, and and improving. It's it's again, it's a pandemic. We're not expecting you know to, a spike in earnings and a spike in the same property, okay. but uh, we're in very good shape. And as I said, we we see ourselves being able to maintain good earnings FFO per unit, whilst paying down debt.
6: Well, we appreciate the color. That's all for me. I'll turn the call back. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions at this time, please press star followed by one on your touch phone. Thank you. And at this time, I would like to turn the call back over to Mr. Martin.
2: All right, well, thank you very much, Moderate, and everybody on the call. Um, Appreciate your interest. We hope everybody has a good Friday. Again, uh, we feel very good about our results and about our outlook. We look forward to remaining engaged uh, with all of our investors in the weeks and months ahead. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending. And at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines.